It's a great privilege to be here with you today um, and to share with you some thoughts that I've had this week. Occasionally in the preaching life, uh, those of us who've been at this for a while, say over a decade, run across a passage of Scripture where we've yet to have the privilege uh, to meditate upon a sermon. And this week, I had that opportunity. I have been wrestling with God, or God has been wrestling with me, it's probably more apt, all week long about this passage from Mark. And I have some thoughts that I want to share with you. For me, reading this passage has caused me to realize that I need to reorder some things in my life, and I hope something in here will make a connection for you as well. About 12 years ago, at my bachelor party, uh uh-oh, no, just kidding. Um, Seriously, at 12 years ago at my bachelor party, my my best man prayed for my wife, Allison, and I that we would love each other to our best selves. Let me say that again. He prayed that Allison and I would love each other to our best selves. A wonderful gift of a prayer that has been a blessing to us in our marriage. And that prayer has been a blessing to me in my own personal discipleship, my following of Jesus. I like to think that in my own life that I am on a journey towards my best self. And I know that I'm progressing in that journey whenever I am following Jesus when I am paying attention to how Jesus lived his life, when I'm prayerfully discerning the path that Jesus is unfolding for me, and when I am following his life and his teaching. Today we're given a gift of two of very interesting stories of Jesus' life and teaching that deal with the Sabbath. First, Jesus and his disciples are traveling, and while they're on this journey, the disciples are plucking some grain, And this upsets the Pharisees greatly. And then later on a Sabbath, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. And that also upsets some people. He does this on the Sabbath, and that's what's upsetting. So I want to make sure that we understand what the Sabbath is about. So let's go back. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. You all will remember that at the end of the first story of creation in the book of Genesis... After God has finished creating everything, the heavens and the earth and everything, on the seventh day, God rested. And so God blessed the seventh day, hallowed it, made it holy, and set a model for us that on a Sabbath day, we we too should rest. Also later, God gives the gift of the Ten Commandments to God's people. He gives those as a gift, not as a punitive set of rules and regulations to limit our experience or to prevent us from having any fun. On the contrary, the Ten Commandments are given to God's people as a gift so that we can live in right relationship with each other and with God. And as part of those Ten Commandments, you will remember, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall do work, but on the seventh day is a day of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Therefore, keep the Sabbath for all the future generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign forever between me and my people. Six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. You see, Sabbath rest is a commandment from God to God's people. Again, not as a punishment, but as an opportunity to remember who God is as creator and liberator and to put ourselves in right relationship with God 
and with each other. Now, this passage we have from Mark today has some pretty interesting details. I don't want to get bogged down in them, but I want to make sure we understand what's happening here in the 21st century. Why is it upsetting to the Pharisees that the disciples are picking grain? They weren't stealing. That's important to set out front. What was happening was a process called gleaning. Now, this was a lawful practice. If you were traveling through the ancient Near East and you were hungry, it was okay for you to, to take some grain uh, and, and to eat that as, as part of the journey. That was understood to be a, a lawful thing to do. But what the Pharisees are objecting to here is that they were traveling, number one, and number two, that they were preparing food on a day other than uh, on the Sabbath and not on another day. Uh, they were so rule-bound um, that it was important for them that people not do any of those things on the Sabbath. In response to that, not, not taking the Sabbath lightly, Jesus points out the real and true reason for the Sabbath is not about following a strict set of rules of things to do and things not to do. That's what the Pharisees were about. They weren't really interested in deepening their relationship with the living God. But for Jesus, he points out that the Sabbath as a whole is about something much greater, much bigger. It's about remembering that we are to be in right relationship with each other and with God. And so whenever the opportunity came up for Jesus to teach, to preach, to heal on the Sabbath, he did so. He upset the Pharisees all the time. He was constantly doing things on the Sabbath to remind them that the Sabbath was made for us, not us for the Sabbath. We can talk about lots of different examples of Jesus doing this, but, but let's think about the second example today where he heals the man with a withered hand. You might remember in the first century that people who had diseases not only had to suffer with those diseases, but oftentimes they were excluded from the communities to which they belonged. They had to live far away. They couldn't come to church together. And my brothers and sisters, that's not what God has ever wanted for us. Somebody who has a disease in our midst needs to be loved and cared for and supported by us, by the community of faith that's gathered together. That's how we live in right relationship with each other. And so Jesus' healing on the Sabbath was not just about restoring health to an individual, but it was about restoring that individual to right relationship with their community. Now, the whole point of the Sabbath is to support life and health and to support right relationship with each other and with God. Jesus understood that. That was the much bigger picture. Sabbath rest is crucial for you and I so that one day out of every seven, we can reorient our lives towards God. It's so easy in our culture today to measure our success by our accomplishments it's so easy to get bogged down in the day-to-day, -day, the week-to-week, -week, and the month-to-month -month, that we can lose sight of what's really, really important in our life, what's crucial in our lives of faith in particular. And so God has given us this day as a gift every week to set aside that we can remember that the Sabbath is for life, it's for health, and it's for being in right relationship with God and with each other. Think of the Sabbath like food, all right? Now, the human body can go without food for maybe three weeks, right? Some of us, it's a little longer. Some of us, a little less. But if you go long enough without eating food, your body starts to shut down. It doesn't happen after, for me, it happens after about an hour. But for others, it happens later. 
If you go long enough without food, your immune system becomes compromised. Some of you have had this experience. You get sick. And then if you keep going without food long enough, your body loses the ability to function and to maintain itself. Well, our souls are the same way. If we go a while without nourishing our souls, the integrity of our spiritual life can begin to get compromised. If we go so long without Sabbath rest, without resting in God, our souls lose the immunity that we have to the junk that the world is constantly throwing at us. And if we keep going without Sabbath rest, without being nourished in God's presence, we can lose the ability to maintain the health and functionality of our very souls. And we have to take desperate measures to get back on track. Now today, I am not interested in giving you a prescription for how you are to live out your own Sabbath rest. I'm going to leave that up to you and God to work out together. But what I am going to do today is to encourage each of you to rededicate your life to living in Sabbath rest. And I'm going to encourage you to help me to do the same. By engaging in Sabbath rest, we can better live into our best selves, the disciples that Jesus is calling us to be. Now here's a brief warning. This is important that you hear. Sabbath rest is unsettling. We're only 79 verses into Mark's gospel when we get to this point. 79 verses, right at the beginning, really. And Jesus has already upset the Pharisees and the Herodians so much that they set out to destroy him. Jesus hasn't violated any laws. He's, he's not done anything wrong. All he has done is encouraged people to reorient their lives towards God. That's all he's done. And it's upset them a lot. So remember, when you engage in a practice of Sabbath rest, it might upset your own sensibilities. You might resist it a bit. That's normal and natural. And the powers of our world certainly might throw some resistance at your way. But remember that whenever Jesus encountered resistance in his life, and he encountered a lot of it, that he returned to our Father in rest, and through prayer, he was strengthened for his journey. So my brothers and sisters, I encourage you to find a day every week, a 24-hour period, to engage in Sabbath rest. Resting in the Lord every week is not really an option. It's a command, but it is a gift for us. And if we do so, we will be able to become our best selves as followers of Jesus. Amen.